0: Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you about another great podcast. You already know about The Low Post with Zach Lowe and The Hoop Collective with Brian Winhurst. But have you listened to The VC Show with eight time NBA All Star Vince Carter and co host Rise Gold on Woody? They talk all things basketball with some of the biggest names in sports and entertainment and give their unfiltered thoughts on the NBA. Plus, Vince shares stories from his illustrious 22 year career. That's The VC Show. Listen where you are listening to this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the right time. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. It is Foxworth Friday. Dominique Foxworth, what's going on? It's
1: happy to be here, man. Like, I've missed Foxworth Friday. I didn't realize that it functions as, like, some sort of end of week therapy for me in many ways and boy do I need it this week so yeah thank man
0: you. You, you you've I can only imagine that you've had a week and of course we're going to talk about DeMar Hamblin we're going to talk about also if we get time the craziest sports story I've seen in quite a while but you know as the game was on and I talked about this uh with Joel Anderson um the last episode I wasn't watching that close so I was gradually figuring out how catastrophic everything was just by the way the broadcast was handling it and then it just reached a point where i had to grab the phone to call you i didn't realize you were in the city like i called you and i was just like did we just watch somebody die yeah and you were like
1: yeah like i thought i was overreacting (laughs) and i was like yeah (laughs) nah it's um anybody who's been around the game or watched the game like this is fans included you watch the game long enough you know that that was an unusual scene and i saw uh i was getting my hair cut my barber finished right as hamlin fell back to the ground. So he's packing up to leave. And I was like, you should see this. Like, this is wild. And then he fell. Then they went to commercial. And then when they came back for commercial, my head went to the worst possible place. And, and I'm glad you called because I, I felt like, like, I'm just a monster for thinking that. And like, it's like, no, the way that they are reacting, like nobody, football players don't react like that.
0: Yeah. Like my harsh, my, one of my harsh friends hit me and was like, "Dude, did somebody die?" Like it was very much a nobody wanted to say it out loud. It, like from broadcast on down, nobody wanted to say it. And I think it was good that you and I were talking to each other because not everybody can laugh at times like those. And you gotta find your people who actually can. And you, you need that the the those of us who have somewhat dark senses of humor that save yeah. us in moments like these, we be needing each other more than y'all realize.
1: I was thinking that when I was listening to you and Joel, I was like, I know this is the one place that I can go that uh, is going to like handle this in the right way and also not make me want to cry, <laughs> you know, because like, I, I don't know, I'm an emotional guy about very few things. And like I, we've talked about this before, like I have I have regrets for the way that I've talked about certain things on TV because like I just got a little bit too emotional and I was bordering on that. The morning after and I think in a couple weeks I'm a wish that I didn't do what I did but whatever I did it because I'm emotional and that's fine but most of this stuff I don't really really care about it but like when it comes to like player health and safety like I really really care about it so it was hard for me to like deal with it and one of the ways I cope is with laughing and I'm glad that you was there for me to laugh with because everybody else was like thinking what we was thinking but wanting to um wanting to cry together and i don't really do that
0: yeah yeah at least not right there right like i remember something you and my brother had a conversation a few years ago after concussion had come out i remember brother said he was talking to you about it and he made the point that it was like watching i think it was like watching a science fiction movie except you're one of the aliens or something to that effect right like it's like watching a movie about yourself and that was the thing that struck me um, and watching so much of the coverage because so much of the media that covers football as former players was like, for the grace of God, there go I, sort mm-hmm. of the situation that was there. But something that came out of it, and I watched a lot of what you had to say on a lot of those shows, and you talked about um, the wife of a former player who played the same position as you play, and you know, basically him being in a room with a gun and everybody being terrified. And you know what jumped out to me about that was you're a corner exactly right like i was thinking that not that you guys were spared from that because that's unrealistic because they're still special teams and they're still tackling and everything else but i feel like when we hear those stories about these dudes is at those hidden positions right the scrimmage positions Linebacker, safety or yeah. yeah or the old school he's great over the middle receiver that mm-hmm. does not exist anymore <laughs> mm-hmm. um and that, I think there was something about that that made me just realize like the breadth of all of this and how nobody's immune from what this game could give you. And this one, this wasn't even one that anybody thought could happen.
1: Yeah. So, what I said to your brother, and I wrote about it in, in USA Today a while ago, and that's what probably is the reason why I work at ESPN because they brought me over to write after I wrote this piece. And what I was writing was watching that movie Concussion was like, watching a horror movie and then you know we all walk out of the horror movie Like, but that wasn't real (laughs) not me (laughs) not not me i walked out i was like no that monster for real i don't know when he coming i don't know if he coming but i know he could you know and so that same thing is we like human mind is impressive in so many ways and one of the ways that it's really impressive is we can like rationalize really well. And we don't know that we're doing it. And I think part of the rationalization that I've done with the concussion stuff prior to that call is I've always thought of myself as like, Oh no, you different. You're the smart football player. Uh You, and I learned and it's like, no, you you're ready for retirement. It's going to be easy for you. It wasn't. And then I was like, Oh no, you, you just like all the rest of them. You're not any smart. You're not any different. And then it's like, oh, no, this concussion stuff. Like, yeah, in public, you got to treat it seriously and you got to care about it, but it ain't going to get you. Like, I played some nickel back. I played, I started at safety for a couple games when um we had some injuries. And, like, I played some of those positions and I played on kickoff and punt return. And obviously, I had plenty of con- collisions, but I'm like, oh, no, but if there's anybody that's less likely to have these issues, it's a cornerback. And... Like, it's not something that I consciously thought through, but it's like part of the shield that I was using to walk through life. When my wife got that call and that she passed the phone to me, it's like, nah, we played the same position. We did the same thing. I actually might've did a little bit more of the, of the dirty work than than he did. And you can't hide from it, man. Like, you just got to confront it and accept that it's a possibility. And, and to tie that back to this... Um, jamar hamlin stuff and i made this parallel on my podcast to try to make people understand what it feels like is like if you were in new york during 9 11 i imagine that as a similar feeling i was in dc during 9 11 and remember one of the planes hit the pentagon and for the immediate hour afterwards when you didn't know what was going on you was like that could be me that's what it feels like football players because it's not just this is a terrible tragedy and it's and i think it's compounded by the fact that it wasn't a crazy hit or it wasn't someone doing something that they that they could choose not to do and then be like safe that a collision like that happens on every single football play so when they walk back out on the field and this is the challenge with compartmentalizing which we all do you can't compartmentalize something that happened in your compartment like it's in there. And so the way that you feel where you're like, oh, I don't know. If you were in uh Boston at the shooting when they when they locked the whole city down, like this man can knock on my door. Like, yeah, that's what it feels like. For these current players, it's like they're gonna go out there and it's and none of them can feel safe because it was a safety and a receiver and a routine hit. And they're gonna be like, oh, kickoff, the first kickoff. Yep, could be me. Mm.
0: And I think, like, the risk calculus of the football player, I would argue, is somewhat different than the risk calculus of the average person, right? Like, I mean, not everybody's out there doing that. We got all our stories about people quitting playing football, right? Uh Like, the risk calculus just isn't the same. But I think that in doing that math, this was not, for a lot of people, under the heading of worst-case scenario. Right. Like, like this wasn't as they were doing the math about whether or not this was worth it. Getting a heart punch on the field was not something yeah. that people seemed to think about. Apparently, like I tell you, the more football I watch, the bigger question I have is, are the pads just for show? Like you remember <laughs> that run with dudes wasn't wearing leg pads at all. Yeah. I was like, so you telling me these things didn't work because otherwise this is ridiculous if all you want to do is be a little bit faster and then mm-hmm. to watch a dude get hit in the chest like that in a way that we didn't know like think about and this be the end result it's like i said on cnn and this has been bouncing around a lot i didn't think this was really a novel uh statement and by the way i'm almost positive i got this from a bill roten column many years ago but you know they asked me if you know can you make football safe and i was like you're trying to make a safe cigarette it's not you know that's not what it is you can come up with them lights you can come up with them ultralights hell even the candy ones when you think about it that's a whole lot of sugar Um, like, no, it's not that. But I think finding out, at least for me, it would be the case, finding out a different way that this ain't as safe as I thought, I'd be shook, you know? And so they, you know, whether they was going to play the game or not, I'm pushing back on the NFL a little bit. You see where Troy Vincent, uh, got on that call and said, no, we didn't think about playing in five minutes. That would be callous and insensitive. Yeah. That's why we thought y'all did it. (laughs) Like, like, are you completely unaware of who you are? And again, I didn't blame them because they always start back. Um in five minutes. But come on, man. You're not gonna tell me that there wasn't one person at the NFL that was like, oh, we gonna stop. Like, hey, fellas, it's a lot of money on the line here. Come on now. And did you see the quote? Um, I think it was Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor said he got to midfield and McDermott told him, Hey man, I gotta get to the hospital and I gotta be with my guy. That don't sound like a dude who had been told by the NFL that we weren't gonna be playing this game. That was a dude that was like, bro, I got to go. Like the NFL. Come on, man. Y'all are who y'all are. I get it. I see it. But, you know, y'all ain't y'all read the rule. I give you that. Uh, The thing about McDermott, it just
1: like and you see the guys faces. We spend so much time together, man. And like it's real love. And like I don't talk to my teammates. I talk to like maybe five teammates that I had through the course of my career. But when I was on that team. They was like, it was like real love. Like it's real brotherhood. And in those moments, you spend so much time with them. And and yes, those relationships are like conditional. And the month before you're on a team with them, you don't give a damn about them. And then two weeks later, you don't think about them again. But if something happened to one of them in that moment, it's real, man. Because you're spending all, I mean, everything you do, your entire professional life. And it's a unique thing because it's also your entire personal life. And it's, it's also compounded by the fact that ain't nobody else like you in the surrounding area. Ain't nobody else going through what you're going through. Ain't nobody else dealing with you dealing with the good and the bad. Ain't nobody else like you. And you can't just like, so like regular people, you go to a happy hour and you sit down and you have a drink and somebody may work somewhere else, but they, y'all dealing with the same things. Like y'all all like 27 year old, you try to make it in, in life. You having a hard time with rent, like y'all dealing with the same things. We not. So like who, who else are we going to talk to? Who are we going to deal with? Like you get so close, particularly with the guys in your position group. Like the DB room, I know how tight I was with, with guys that I don't talk to anymore. I know I've been in fights with guys or like defended guys and like didn't even, didn't even think twice in college in particular. Somebody try to mess with my guy, like I'm swinging. And they're like, now if that same dude, I'm in a bar with him and
0: somebody punched him. I'm like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> what, what? you? What, what did you do to deserve that? I, I, I'm glad for me to know. Next time I go, Dominique, damn, why you hippo body over the head with that bottle? I'm sure he did deserve that. Nah, see, we're right now we are
1: close. Yes. <laughs> hey, five years from now, if we stop talking, then <laughs> you're gonna get rocked to that bottle, and I'm and I'm gonna text somebody else like, man, Bobani must be tripping. But right now, you get rocked with that bottle. I'm Goldberg Spirit. Whoever did it, <laughs> like that's just the way that it works. Um. But yeah, I mean that 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 stuff, man, is imagining how they feel. And I like I appreciate I was gonna say like I appreciate McDermott reacting that way, but how else could you react? Yeah. Like I don't know, this might be a play to music situation. Thank you for your patience. A representative from the right time will be with you shortly. Your current hold time is
0: 15 seconds. That points to something that I've noticed about this, and this is the part that makes it the most worrisome. They keep telling us it's better. They ain't told us how bad it was and they ain't told us what better means. You know what I mean? Like, like this, yes. is, this, is, this, is, this is just rough. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training, just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. And spring is the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering off. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout, whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class, or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals while challenging yourself at every level. Now you can catch up on your favorite NBA games with NBA League Pass while you push yourself to new levels of fitness. Watch your favorite games and win your workouts with NBA League Pass on Peloton and visit OnePeloton.com. Peloton All Access membership and NBA League Pass subscription required. I was thinking about what you said about, you know, there's nobody like you. And that's a very real thing to not have like people that you can meet in your regular life that you relate to. Like I was talking to somebody once about why I imagine it's very hard to save money if you are on the standard rookie minimum contract, because you can't just get a regular person car if you weigh 275 pounds, right? You can't be like, yo, I'm gonna save a little money. Go get me a used Civic, right? You can't do that. Plus, on top of it, if we're being honest, you you kind of gotta have some things be fitting to your stature in the world, right? Yeah. Okay. That stuff costs money. Um, you can't really save on your apartment because you can't just live in a neighborhood with regular people, right? Like so you're gonna probably need to step this up a little bit because you're gonna need some extra security. All of this. Um, off-season you probably gonna need to pay for a lot of that physical you know the workout stuff the trainers and everything else and that half million dollars that seemed like a lot of money all of a sudden you ain't really got that much money left like it's it's just a totally unique space that you in but see there's people like y'all in terms of the nature of the work y'all just can't hang out with
1: yeah right like
0: like you can hang out with some dudes that work on like the construction sites they be rolling the dice on this stuff all the time Mm -hmm. but they ain't got no money right you get (laughs) Or there are people who be out here living a very dangerous uh, sort of life for work, but they gangsters, yeah. so you can't really hang <laughs> out with them yeah, either. They got the that's, money. They can that, get the check. That's
1: perfect, man. That's because I started thinking maybe military, or but then the money issue is there too. But you're exactly right. They're, the people...
0: They're like, I might die doing this, shit, but baby, I'm a ball while I do.
1: <laughs> exactly. That's it. That is. That's yeah. That speaks to why uh, there's so many of them hanging around. But yeah, the money thing is tough. And like I I, I took it there um, immediately the morning after. And obviously people were mad. I don't have any regrets about that. I have probably regret regrets about how emotionally I delivered my message. But that's something I've been working on. I'm going to get better at it. But also like taking it to CBA and taking the money. I've been spending a lot of this morning reading through the CBA and looking at what the benefits are for a career ending injury, which it seems obvious that. That's a best case scenario right now, and it just it just sucks. And to the point that you were like, like alluding to, and like I brought up a bunch of times is the risk calculus is off because nobody in their right mind thinks that this is a reasonable risk calculus because like the chances of you having anything go wrong like is almost one hundred percent that something's gonna go wrong. That you're gonna deal you deal with some long term impact. How bad it is, how bad it's gonna go wrong, you don't know. And like the CTE stuff, and that was a point that I was making um, outside after that movie. Is like right now, I'm happy with the trade that I made because like I had a hip issue had a knee issue. I'm probably gonna have to get both of them replaced at some point. Once I'm limping around, I might look back and be like, damn. I don't know if I feel good about this choice. I'd probably still be happy with the decision I made. But the depths that Mike Webster had to get to. To shoot yourself. I'm 100 percent sure that if I ever get to that point. No, none of this was worth it. None of it was worth it. And. We don't know how many guys deal with it. We don't know how many guys are going to deal with it. And the morning after we all or the night in the morning after we all wanted to do something. And some of us like use that energy to go after Skip Bayless. Or some of us use that energy to yell at the NFL for saying five minutes. Maybe some of us use that energy to give money to Demar Hamlin's GoFundMe. Like there's a lot of place for that energy to go. And we all want to make it better, and that's why, like, my energy went towards yelling about the CBA because I know football is not going to go away, nor do I want it to go away. Like it's around to stay, but what I do want, and what I've always cared about, is like the health and well-being and of the players and their families, and the CBA determines that. And he's fighting for his life. That matters. A whole separate thing. That's like is not going to impact it. It's pushing for change. What I was always, what I was reminded of when people were like coming at me about this is the wrong time is like mass shootings after mass shooting. They're like, no, this is not the time to talk about legislation. Well, when is the right time? Right. You know, like you, you get these few opportunities and this like ties in a little bit to like George Floyd and Black Lives Matter and all that stuff is like we had a window right there where white people gave a For a second, like they was willing to listen, and I'ma yell all that I can yell in that window, and that's what I felt like that morning. Is like I don't care, like really at my core, care about football, what's gonna happen in NFL. Like I care because it's my work, but I don't really, really care who wins the Super Bowl this year. It's not gonna change anything, you know. And I do this job, and I like this job, but there are rare opportunities, and they seem to be more frequent these days where. I can actually make an impact on some something I really care about. And I'm not going to blow that opportunity because you're uncomfortable.
0: But you made a point that I think to me was the most salient of the points that I heard you make. And it's something that I had absolutely not considered, which is everybody's risk is capped, but the player. Right. But the people that are on the field, there are all kinds of safeguards to protect the owner's investment. There's all kinds of safeguards. To protect him, even the fans right mm-hmm. like if this game isn't finished out or whatever you might be able to get your money back or get a ticket to another game or something like that there is no cap on what the penalty is or what the price is that the players may ultimately have to pay for playing football and i really hadn't thought about thought about it just in those terms is everybody else gets the lookout the only people that are, at least in theory supposed to be looking out for the players are the ones that are paid by the owners
1: yeah it's yeah and it's very difficult to get people to accept that point in in regular times because uh, i mean i can I have plenty of theories for why that is but i think what it boils down to is like people are jealous and and uh what happens so like when the the pushback that I got a lot of is but what about people in the military they don't have this protection or what about police officers or like terrible things happen to all these other people and they don't have these protections I'm not saying that they don't deserve them but what I am saying is the people who benefit the most from the football players I'm um, taking on this risk are the people who own the teams and I'm not telling all of you that I want to take money away from the U S military to like better protect players or to better pay players. I'm telling you, let's take this money from the guy worth $7 billion. And when we're, and we're in, when we're in the middle of these CBA negotiations and y'all mad, cause we not playing like, and you just make sure you aim your ire at the right people. Cause I remember we got locked out. We didn't strike. We got locked out. And I remember like feeling like we had a ton of solidarity as players. And as it got closer and closer to games being lost, the the noise around it got louder and louder and the players are human and they're susceptible to that noise. And it changed the amount of like resolve that we had because y'all wasn't standing outside of Jerry Jones's house yelling at him they weren't staying outside of players house either but you was all in their mentions he's all in their replies and they respond to that and it just like I don't know I know it's it's not something that people care about nearly as much as I do and your um your the caricature you have in your mind of a football player is like I don't know who the right guy is T.O. or something I don't know like you all think a football player is like super rich and and kind of like whatever you know like it's like it's not a positive look that's or i mean forget even like the negative stuff you think that we're all super rich it's not true the point that you made earlier most careers in before three years before they're vested they don't have access to a pension if they do they don't get to take it out until they're in their 50s all that stuff aside what you were talking about the rookie minimum like I can walk you through the financials of all that stuff but it's not fun, it's boring. We talked about this before when I talked about how like sad and like borderline depressed I was my season in Atlanta, the best on the field season I had, but I was depressed because I was just becoming mature enough to realize the trade that I had made and when I was in college, I wasn't doing internships. I chose a major that would allow me to focus more on football. The last three years of my life, I've been playing football. I ain't had no connections. I ain't had no experience. And I knew that if this didn't work out, I've set myself up for a real challenging climb. Yes, I got a little bit of cushion, but that cushion going to burn up quick. But I really got to go all the way back to square one. And so... I don't know. Like I mentioned, I get emotional and then I get rambly. I'll shut up. But I, nah, I made a lot of points there. I don't know if they all came to
0: a conclusion. Nah, ain't, ain't nobody required to make no conclusion. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'd mean, be arguing that at work. we be coming to these essays. They're like, well, what is our takeaway? I don't need no takeaway. <laughs> I'm just giving you something. We <laughs> need takeaways for those. But anyway, um, you said something, though, that I thought was interesting when people bring up the what about the military? And I'm like, why are you cool with that? Like yeah, and, and so what it gets to is I think that some of it is jealousy, but I don't think that's really what's going on. I think it's something that we see that comes up a lot of times when people talk about race too, um, which is this people want to feel like they good people, right? And so something about football that people need to be honest about part of what makes it so compelling is the danger and peril, right? part of what makes it interesting and thrilling is the violence and how the violence then affects the game. So for example, there is a whole generation now, these kids are finally now getting old enough that have no recollection of what made Michael Irvin special, his willingness to be destroyed over the middle of the field, right? There is not one receiver left in the NFL. Like I feel like since Anquan Bolton left, he's probably like the last one and you may in some ways think of Jefferson this way, but it's not the same. Guys who made their money making catches that were just impossible because somebody was going to barrel down and knock your head off. Like the reason these quarterback numbers are so high, but the point totals aren't that much higher than they used to be, is because from 20 to 20, it's a lot easier to move down the field because dudes now can go over the middle and not feel like their lives are going to end, or at the very least, feel like they're not going to be able to hold on to the ball anymore after they caught it that made for a different game and a game that had different stakes. And that's part of why we're here for this game. Unlike the others are the stakes. But what people don't want to feel like is they are being entertained by watching somebody die slowly. That's not what they want to feel like. That is exactly what is happening. However, right. Now, if you want to play the rationalization game, the move is, hey, they made the decision. They decided to do it. And I do feel for myself as I've gone on farther, especially now that I think the information that is conveyed upon players at young ages is more than it used to be, that you can more compellingly make the argument that people know what they're getting into. They don't. They think they know what they're getting into, but it, it feels like less of an uninformed decision than it used to be. It's just kind of like when you go to grad school and people are like, grad school is really hard. And you're like, how hard could it be? It's really hard, guys. <laughs> like, like, they couldn't have told me anything about it as what it is. So I think for people, they don't want to have to face themselves about the fact that they enjoy watching football. They don't want to have to face themselves about the fact that they are indifferent to what happens to the players who are on the field. And so when something happens to the guys, the tendency is to blame them mm-hmm. either for the fact that it happened or the fact that they can't handle it or whatever it is. Cause then at that point, you never have to ask yourself if like, it's almost like we give a seed money to the dope man. You know what I'm exactly. saying? Exactly.
1: I don't, I mean, so there's a bunch of stuff in there you said that I want to respond to. Like, I don't think it's a coincidence that football is the most popular sport in the country. When, as it speaks to like the, the appeal of the violence of it. And I don't think it's a coincidence that like UFC is like climbing and is getting more popular and more popular. Like that stuff matters. I think. Um, also you brought up Anquan Bolden. I talked to some people who were on the field when he got his face shattered and they talked about how gruesome that was to see and how like his facial features weren't in the right spot. And that wasn't in like dick knight train lane era that was right it's not too long ago and so to the last thing that you were saying about making an informed decision you know when that decision is made it's not made when you like we wouldn't allow 10 year olds 15 year olds to make decisions that impact their life dramatically you know you're not gonna say like right now you got to decide at 15. You got to decide where you're going to live for the rest of your life or whatever. I don't know. Any dramatic yeah. decision. That's when the decision is made. You know, that's when I decided I was six when I told my dad I want to be a professional football player. And like it's not a decision that you make necessarily, because like most little kids want to be professional athletes. And then like all these people who are like, well, you chose it. Y'all didn't choose it because it wasn't an option for your slow ass hmm. <laughs> like and so like I chose it when I was a kid. And at no point do you like reconsider. You just keep going. And also like all the forces are pushing you in that direction. And even if you don't want to play, if you're really good, everyone around you is telling 15, 16, 17 year old, 22 year old, 25 year old you. But you're so good at this. Keep doing that. Nobody is out here like, hey, why don't you take a second to consider the risk that you're taking? And so I think that's an unfair way to push back. And even if even if they do make, even if we as athletes make this decision like in a clear-eyed way, I don't see that as a legitimate argument for saying that you shouldn't like want more. So like my dad chose to join the military when he was 18. It was because of options around him. And like, to your point, I'm not saying that like soldiers shouldn't have more support. I'm with it. It's just like, I'm not a soldier, that's not what I'm passionate about at this moment, so like it that finding these other like false equivalencies to like it just doesn't make sense to me like who are you fighting for? That's what it always okay. comes down to is like answer this question when you start arguing with me about this, who are you defending
0: themselves and that's and that's what it comes down to. They are defending themselves, so think about this. this will get us into like some current events at the same time, right okay people who watch combat sports don't really have these conflicts right now a lot of people who have the conflicts about boxing and all of this stuff but like the people who actually watch them since it's much more of a niche audience those people don't really have those conflicts but those worlds don't purport themselves to represent any good right yeah. and and football is supposed to be a positive force in the way mm-hmm. that it is described and there are arguments for it right but if you really buy into that then to buy into the positivity, you kind of have to ignore some of the negativity. And if you don't believe me, that people don't really expect very much of that world. The head of the UFC got caught on a video slapping his wife and didn't have to quit his job. It didn't even get to the top of the news cycle. And you know why? Because people don't expect nothing from them people. That's why nobody thinks they're good. That's why football <laughs> people view it a little bit differently. You know what I'm saying? I want to say this again, by the way, Dana White got caught on video slapping his wife. I don't care if she hit him first or not. He got caught on video slapping his wife and it barely made a ripple. To- There's no other job where you could be that high up in a company and not be immediately under disciplinary action after that happened. And look, he came out and said he was wrong. He should not have done it, Da da da. all this stuff, right? Um, But he didn't have to do nothing. He's just going to keep all coming to work after. slap. We always say it's video that changes everything. It's right there. because don't People think they ain't. <laughs> that's the only reasonable explanation, Fair. right? There's business ties and questions about different things, right? There's that. But that's all that really comes down to right there. Like the whole game turn on you when you slap your woman in front of people. You would think so. Like we, we, we just went through this. Yeah. I mean, well, I
1: mean, the reason why I said you would think so is because clearly it's not true. Yeah. yeah i mean I, I talked about it on my podcast i don't know what to do about it i don't know but it's like yeah and the argument like he, she hit him first fine you can punish her too but when you got more power and which he does like physical power yeah. and even like like a metaphorical power or whatever like you got different expectations so Mm. like if you said it
0: was here's the thing if you said he hit her because it was self-defense that would be one thing that ain't what happened He hit her. that ain't what happened those are not the same thing like people's thing is you hit me i have the right to hit you back which to men i agree right but don't pretend like it was self-defense self-defense is the one so if she's swinging hitting him with a bottle or something like that and just can't you know you might be able to sell me on the argument no man he just hit her back that was it and it ain't a thing We've been heavy, right? We didn't mean to be heavy. Now we're going to get petty. We're going to talk about the single petty story I've ever seen in my life. And I ain't got that much time to talk about it. But I just have to get this out here because I just can't believe this happened in real life. So if you guys have not seen this, is the dude Gio Reyna. His dad, Claudio Reyna, used to be the captain of the U.S. Men's National Team uh, the uh, playing footy. You know what I'm saying? And his son Gio was on the team. He's a young dude. I guess he a bit of a prodigy because he's like 20 or whatever. But his playing time was limited by the coach. And that turned into some drama and it was poorly handled by the soccer federation and anything else. Anyway, day or two ago from the time of this recording, we found out that the head coach of the men's national team had had an incident of domestic violence involving he and his wife. And this came out and the soccer federation was going to uh, investigate this, but you need to understand this happened in 1991. Right, I'm not saying that there's an absolution of it or whatever, but I just need to give you the context. It was 30 years ago. We get a report yesterday. The investigation was started because Claudio Reyna's wife, Danielle, went and told the Soccer Federation that they should go look into this thing. Mm -hmm. How did she know that they should look into this thing? Well, you may think that she may have known because Claudio Reyna, And the head coach of the men's soccer team, Burhalter, there we go. I couldn't remember. Way to go. Uh, They played together. But maybe it was because Mrs. Reyna and Mrs. Burhalter were four year teammates in college. (laughs) What? What are you people doing?
1: Like, there's so many crazy parts about this story. One thing that jumped out to me is like, he kicked her. Outside a bar. Like, I, what I thought was he's a, a man's US national team soccer player. So obviously his kicks are serious, but it had to be really violent for that to be something that they all remember. And like, I'm just not in a world where kicking is a thing that takes place. Like, even when it, like men are fighting. And so, like, imagining what happened there is one wild thing all on its own. Like to a point where he was like, we had to go to counseling and we reassess things and we talk like, that's wild. Two, um, Rosalind, Danielle, Gio, or not Gio, um, Claudio and Greg Berhalter, like they all known each other for so long. That means that Berhalter's known Gio since he was a little baby. Like the the overlap of all of this stuff is wild. And then to imagine you've known him since he was small, you knew he nice since he was small, you bring him to the World Cup and then you pull some slick stuff on him and then leak to the media afterwards about how you had to, he needed disciplinary action, and then they take the, the parents take it to the next level levels like we're gonna take you down off some stuff from 30 years ago.
0: It just is a, a, a wild story oh. all around. Now, you know, my daddy said, anybody that kick you, you got the right to kill yeah. them. So, you know, like <laughs> like that. I have to admit, I had seen the thing about kicking, but it really wasn't until you said it right there. I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. That must have been like, yeah. it just seems so bizarre, the idea. Yeah. Like, is that how you soccer dudes get down? It's always about kicking. I didn't, <laughs> you know, like, I okay. Wow, that's really wild. But like, it's 30 years ago. It does seem like, it doesn't seem like this is one of those things. There may not have been accountability before the law necessarily, but it clearly sounds like there was accountability at the place where it really matters within his life with his mm. wife and everything else. But my thing about it was you just outed your girl as being the victim of domestic violence, which is something that we say we do not do. And it's not like you did it because you was looking for justice. It <laughs> did it because you ain't think they did right by your son and, like, you know, I'm about this. Everything's like high school. And then you realize the reason everything's like high school is because people are people everywhere. And so you throw them in these groups and they're going to like high school is the place where you throw everybody together. And mm-hmm. so offices become like high school. Law school becomes like high school. ESPN becomes like high school. Everything. Because human dynamics just operate like that. But yo, are all sports becoming like little league? Because this is like it, what blew me away yeah. was the idea that Claudio Reyna is a professional. Right, he has played at this level, and even he is acting like Little League Dad. I'm
1: like it seems even more likely because, yeah. like, I think uh, a Little League Dad might grow out of this and be like, "Oh, this is above me. I'm not gonna get involved in this." This U.S. Men's National Soccer, he played there, and he know Greg. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this to him, he like, "Oh, that <laughs> Greg
0: acted up." <laughs> I mean, let me let me straighten this yeah. fool out. Well, here's what I want to know, man. I want to know how Gio is taking this, right? And the reason I, I I say that is, like, I spent a significant portion of my life being known as my parents' son on different levels and in different places. Not everybody knew it, but, like, that was an omnipresent thing. And that that's an interesting life, you know? Like, it's one thing to be like everybody in town kind of knows. But, like, I got a buddy whose dad was a cop, you know what I mean? Like, like, like in a small town yeah and so every like so when everybody knows it it don't you kind of prefer it not be the case and you can't you you can't really cash it in that often right sometimes you can but not really but when i was in college uh and my mother had previously worked at school my dad worked there um summer i took a finance class in the summer and you know summer school is you miss a test in summer school it's a wrap like you know you miss a couple days you can't really do nothing. My car had gotten broken into one day and I had to take it in the next day. Right. Like it was one of those things where the door wouldn't open And Atlanta. This is the night. This is 2000. Right. Ain't like I could just call an Uber to go to work. Couldn't nobody give me no ride to come in. And so I had to test that morning, but I had to take the car to the body shop to get fixed. And I was trying to leave it, but it took them hours before somebody even took me in. So I come back to school the next day. I mean, come back to class the next time. I show up with the invoice for the car, you know, all those things, trying to make my case. And the professor said, let's go step outside. He'd always been very nice to me, right? He said, let's go outside. Went outside, fired up a cigarette. And he said, if I was you, I'd go down to the business office, see if you can get any of your money back. But that's that. Now, did I think he was being unfair? yes right that i think that i had and i told him in advance what was going on like i did everything i could and i remember i called my mom and you know my mom knows the dean and knows Mm -hmm. all these people and i called my mom and she was like do you want me to do anything and i said no yeah it wasn't for her to handle right like this was because also if she handles it now this man gonna be looking at me crazy you know the whole time but it wasn't for her to handle like in that case I was, I, since my pops worked there, I had a tuition waiver, right? Like I, I wasn't paying for anything, but mm-hmm. I also was nauseated by the idea of being 19, 20 years old and my mama coming up to settle this for me. Yeah. And so I wonder for him, did he want them to do this? Is He I mean, he can't play for the national team no more, right? Like I we mean, can't have if, you anywhere around.
1: Yeah, especially not if Greg coming back, which no, I know no, his e- country. Even,
0: e- even if Greg not coming back because if something else come up, Your mama go. How is your mama still showing up? Like, like I don't care how young you are. Part of the problem with doing grown stuff when you're young is we got to treat you like you're grown. Yeah. And this is not grown behavior.
1: Well, if he's as good as people say he is, they, they're going to find a way to deal with his mama and his daddy and all that stuff ain't going to matter because he nice. But the bad part is we don't care about soccer until these times. So the only thing that most people know about him is going to be these stories and, he ain't gonna be able to uh,
0: he gonna have to score a lot of
1: goals do, for us not to be laughing
0: but dominique he nice america need more than nice baby like like <laughs> like like like, like with, without his nice ass they still got to father they had yeah. thought about or whatever it is he ain't about to make us champions
1: i'm just, just saying we we not laugh. brazil we we not brazil where we could just be pushing off people that have like <laughs> <Yeah>. a european <laughs> professional level talent
0: i'm telling you Gio gonna be, be all right no they're going to have to figure something out, though. Like, they're go, yeah. they going to have to have a big huddle with that family because I can't – dog. Wow. You know what? What a week, man. Yeah. You, you, you're you, my yeah. dog, man. Appreciate I know this wasn't the easy one for you, man. I'm glad, and thank you for what you have contributed because I feel like we've asked a lot of the former player this week to really do a lot of soul-bearing before us in the name of giving us insight. And I'm sure there were some times you sure ain't feel like it because they had you on TV all morning that one day. So. Yeah you know Bo Jones care if don't nobody else care I thank you man you check the chat let me check
1: the chat let me Mar Hamlin opened his eyes last night oh at, wow And is responsive that's great news according to Ian Rappaport his gripping his hands
0: uh, yeah that is great news that's great news this is how everybody will know foster friday is recorded on thursday <laughs> uh, yeah. oh no right. i appreciate you i know you
1: care man and i mentioned this before it's like it's a, it takes a lot out of me when i get tired i just remind myself that like any other time when i'm talking about football like the whole reason why you do all that stuff or at least for me one of the the benefits of doing all that other stuff is when important stuff happens you get to talk about it. and even when i'm tired i feel like yeah, I feel like a, that.
0: that's when I feel like it's a real privilege to be able to have people listen to you. Hey, man, you're doing good work, man. It's appreciated. Appreciate you, and ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Right Time. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. Remember, hit the voicemail line, 860-516-4119. Let us know about your unfortunate encounter with a future professional in an athletic endeavor, 860 516 four one one nine dance dancing Parker Owens, zaidi khan hailing everything behind the scenes thank you gentlemen remember follow the right time rate us review us give us five stars you only give us four stars i'm inclined to believe you are a hater we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days take it easy thanks for checking out the right time with bomani jones podcast you can listen or follow on the espn app or wherever you listen to podcasts
1: the right time
0: with bomani jones